Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Happy 4th of July. I am so glad that you're here today. My name is Matt Barnett. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm just so excited for you guys to be here. And I know the 4th of July, you guys are, are itching to get out and get your fireworks. I get mine, by the way, from Big Blast in Sand Springs, just letting you know that. No plug there, but that's where I go. Um, if you got some time, go. Um, but one of the things that uh, I love about the 4th of July is just this community that we get to come together, that we get to light up fireworks and things like that. And I think a little bit, like, here we are together on this holiday, and what's crazy about, like, this holiday, like, if you think about Christmas, like, when Christmas is rolling around, you have the Christmas story always playing constantly on the TV, right? That the, the, the movie that's just on repeat, and I, I feel like sometimes we're robbed of those things in other holidays, and so I think today, if you don't mind, Mindy, I think we should put a new video out there for the 4th of July that we can all relate to. Bag up, bag up, bag up, Terry. What did it refer, Terry? What did it refer? Oh, Lord, Lord, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. What the, what, what you doing, Terry? Terry, what's the what? 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 Someone dared me that I wouldn't do that, and I actually did it today. So I just want you to know that that, that just, this just happened right there. Uh, I feel like we need to pray just to get into some kind of holy part here. Let's, let's pray together. God, I love you, Lord. I thank you for today. Thank you for being able to gather together. Lord, and I don't want to leave this moment of knowing that, man, there's other places all around the world that don't have this opportunity. They don't have this opportunity to gather together, to hear your word, to sing songs to you. And so, God, I do thank you. On the 4th of July, I do thank you for the freedom that you've given us. God, I do thank you for the freedom that you've allowed us to have, the liberty that we have, that we can worship together in our churches. Lord, I pray today that you would just be with us, that you speak to us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, you guys have heard this, and, and you're going to get tired of hearing that, but, you know, Cass and I found out that we we're going to have a baby by we, her, not me. And so, one of the things that we, we figured out in all of this is, like, this, this is a crazy time of our life, and so we're looking at schedules and, like, what do we need to cut out? What are the things that we need to, to get rid of in our life? Because that's going to be a whole new world that we're going to be in. But some of you guys may know this, some of you guys might not know this. Cassie and I have been together for almost 10 years now, all right? And, and it's, been, it's been awesome for her. And, and one of the things that um, I think we found out is in these last almost 10 years, we've really been married for about two of those years. And a lot of you guys were here during all of those times. But almost every week in that time period when we were just dating, I had the question come up all the time, when are you guys going to get married? Like, what's the plan? Like, when are you going to get married? And I want to just make sure I preface all this with the fact that I always wanted to get married, but I was a little gun shy on this, right? I didn't know what that looked like. It seemed scary. I don't, <clears throat> like, I, I don't know. Like, are there, are there any, like, single people here today? Any single people in the room? If you're single, look around because that's your options. Go for it. Okay. Um, and, and so... I was really, really good at being single, to be honest with you. Like, here, my day would come up, I would sit there and think, okay, if you're single, you're only answer to yourself. And so for me, I would just sit there and say, well, self, what do you want to eat tonight? And then I would go and do that thing. And then self, what do you want to do today? Well, then I would go 
and do that, but the Bible tells us that that's not probably the healthiest thing in the world for us to do, that we should have a companion with us. And so after a while, you know, Cass and I were dating, um, she started to drop some hints. And I don't know if you are like me, but like I can get every stat out of the Bible, every stat out of a wrestling thing. I can, I can, I can understand all that stuff, but I'm really, really bad at hints, all right? Like I need you to just face-to-face tell me what you're saying because I'm not, not very smart. And so what would happen is Cass said, hey, why don't we go shopping? And so I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, let's go shopping and, and let's go see what's going on. And then we'd end up at the mall or someplace like that. And I, you know, I thought we were rolling to the food court. That's my area. That's what I like in the mall. So I was going to go there. But interestingly enough, we would always kind of navigate ourselves to kind of where the jewelry was. And then, interestingly enough in that, we would always enter into those stores. And then even more crazy about that, we would always end up on this one side where there's a bunch of wedding bands and engagement rings and things like that. And she'd just kind of, just kind of linger right there for a little bit. And I was sitting there and think, what's... Uh oh! Like, what, what, what are you, what are you wanting out of, what are you wanting out of this? And that would happen a few times. We'd watch movies, and you know, these are movies about you know people getting together and marriage and all that stuff. And I just, I'm pretty dense on that. I didn't really, I didn't really get it. Again, I want to make sure you know, I wanted to always get married. It's not, it's nothing on that end. I just, I didn't know how. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know how to pull the trigger. I didn't know what that was like. And then it came down to one day, and it was right before we got engaged, and. One of the things that she said, she sat me down, she said, I just need you to know, I need you to know, I've been doing this for a while. And if I'm wasting my time, then we just need to end it here. And I sat there and thought, sucks to be you, all right? Like, you don't want to lose this, right? You're not going <laughs> to, who do you think you are? And then when I came to my realization, I sat there and thought, oh, no, this is serious. This is actually, this is, there's something here. And, and, and when I was growing up, and, and I heard this, and I know all of you guys were huge Jersey Shore fans, but on the Jersey Shore, they would talk about this thing they called DTR. You guys know what that means? It means to define the relationship. And we had that conversation where we had to define our relationship. I, if you were here last week for mid-groups, one of the things that we talked about was the idea of, it, it's a struggle in my life of this idea that, man, I know that God's there, I know he's powerful, I know he's imminent, I know he has everything, but does that God really want to know me? Like, like really, does that God really care about the things inside of my life? Does, and, and I wonder, I bet if I went across this room, I could ask you the same question, I bet we all doubt it in some way, or maybe we live in the doubt that maybe God, like he's great, he's awesome, I love him, but does he really care about me? And it's been a struggle that I've worked through for a long time, and, and it really came to a head in one of my quiet times a couple months ago, And out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. But Hebrews chapter 11, it says it like this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We see in the scripture that the thing that pleases God is faith. Your faith. Your faith is what pleases God. But he also qualifies it with two things on that. Just by the way, I I want to stay here for a second. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what it didn't say? It didn't say without church attendance. Or it didn't say that if you could just get everything together, then you'll please God. It didn't say that if you could just get your finance together, if you could just tithe more, then you'll, be, you'll please God. It didn't say that at all. It just said without faith. Faith is what pleases the Lord. And he qualifies it by saying this. There's two ways that we can please him with our faith, that we come to him and believe he's real, 
And the second one is that we believe he's going to reward those who seek him. That if you believe in him, and you believe that if you seek after him, he'll give you a reward. I think most of the time, though, when I read this scripture and why this just really devastated my mind was, I sit there and I see that word seek, and I think, that's like, I think of old school Pentecostal church that I grew up in that. We sit there and we pray and we sing forever and ever and ever, and there's Wednesday night, like, you, you have these long, drawn-out services, and just, I'm honest, kind of boring. Like, I, I don't know if that's what I want to do in seeking God. Maybe that means I need to pray for four hours a day. Maybe it means I need, to, I, need to read my, I need to read the whole Bible in one day. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but when I hear the word seek, I get really, like, I, that's, that's really not a lot of my life. And I started kind of investigating and reading into it a little bit. And that, actually, that word seek right there, it doesn't mean what I just said. It actually means this. It means that we involve God in our activities, that we keep him wherever we go. So, so really what it's trying to tell you is that your faith will please God. And, if you believe, and, you, and he qualifies by saying you believe that he's real. And also, if you believe that when you involve him in things, he'll reward you. He'll show up in your life. And don't get, this, don't get this turned around. I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to get a bunch of money. I'm not like prosperity preacher to you today. I'm just telling you that God will reward you in different areas, in peace, in patience. I don't know what that looks like for you. So how do we truly include God in all aspects of our life? Not just some weird compartmentalized version of us that we say, well, I'm having my quiet time at 530, and that's when I meet God, and then the rest of the day is mine. Like, how do we do that? How do we, how do we say, man, I want to involve God in the every, single part, every single moment of my life, not just at 11 a.m. service, but how do I seek God? How do I involve him in my life when I'm at work, when I'm at school? How do I seek God? How do I involve him in my life when I'm with my in-laws? How do I, how do I seek God when I'm, when I'm blowing up fireworks? Like, what does that look like for us? And I think a lot of times what we have to define in our own life and what we really have to define with the Lord is our relationship with God. And more so than that, our positioning with God. See, when you understand your position in Christ, you can fully understand how you relate to him. And so, I have four chairs right here, okay? And these four chairs are going to represent us. Like, all of us in this room, we are in one of these chairs right here. All of us in this room, we will fit into one of these categories. I don't know who you are, I don't know your life, but from biblical knowledge and what I've learned about God, all of us will fit into one of these categories right here. And so that's what we're going to talk about here today. We're going to talk about the positioning that we have with God. Are you guys good right now? Yeah. All right, let's, get, let's go to the first one. The first one here, make sure I did it right. The first one here is this one right here. It's the word enemy. Uh, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Romans 5.10 says that while we were God's enemies. I love you. I love you. And I know we're all God's children, but the Bible also tells us that before Christ, we're actually at odds with the world. We're enemies of God. We war against him. And, and that's a, like, think about your own life. Think about the, the BC version of your life. Who were you? Before you came to know Christ, what was your life like? What, did you have a love for the Lord? Uh, you didn't. Did, did you have a care for what God thought? You may have thought you did, but you really didn't. Uh, before Christ, there's no inclination to go into Jesus. And so for some of us, we're sitting in that chair here today. And, and maybe you're here today, and, and you know you're in that chair. 
Maybe you're here today and you know you haven't given your life to Jesus or you doubt all of this and this doesn't make sense to you. And I understand that. I want you to know I'm so glad that you're here today. And I want you also to understand that Jesus is so full of grace and forgiveness that he can speak into your heart. That no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how far you've fallen away from what you think you were supposed to be, God can still restore you. There's no thing in your life that the cross can't cover. And so for you that might be here today and you don't know him, I just encourage you, come, come to know Jesus. This place is open for your, your questions, for your doubts. God's good is bigger than your bad. God's salvation is way bigger than your sin. And, and you know what's scary about this position, by the way? The Bible also tells us that there are many people that come to church, that can sing Waymaker, that can clap when they know the cues to clap, not know him at all the bible tells us jesus says that on the final days he'll look at the people and he'll say depart from me because i never knew you this is why this is scary is this positioning right here this could be some of us so i don't want that for you here's a quick just answer to that the book of first john theologians call it the faith test you can go to the book of first john read that tonight really short and it'll tell you it'll show you if you're truly saved, if you've truly given your life to Christ. But the first category for all of us is this right here, that we're an enemy, enemy of God. But you don't always have to be. So for me, and maybe for your life, maybe you were in this category for a while. Maybe you lived here for a little bit, and, and, and maybe you went to a VBS, or you went to a youth service, or you were here on a Sunday morning, and, and God spoke to your heart, and you gave your life over to Jesus. And so you move out of this category. Like, you don't stay here. You go to another spot, and it would be, it would be this one right here. Servant. That when you give your life to Jesus, when you turn it over to him, your category changes, your positioning changes, and you become a servant of God. You move away from hell, and you become heaven-bound. Romans chapter 6 says it like this. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. The older translations would use this word right here, the word doulos, and it would actually turn it to slave. Slave and servant are the same thing in, in the Bible here. And I, I remember um, uh, probably the greatest lesson I ever learned on, on hierarchy and positioning was actually at my own house. Um, I don't know if you know, and you've heard this story before probably, but I have this little pet pig named Moo, and, and one of the things, I didn't learn this, I wasn't a pig expert at the time when we got her, but pigs work off hierarchy. They work off dominance. How many of you guys know that, okay? Oh, you're weird, okay. And so, um, so one of the things that Cassie told me is that if Moo, who again was supposed to fit into my palm and ended up not, um, if, if Moo was moving by you, like if you were in a hallway and she was walking by you, she's gonna try to move you to show that she's dominant. And so I would kind of watch it and she would come up to Cassie and she'd get her nose and try to push her around and Cassie would stand her ground. And, and, and Moo would just walk around her. And this was her idea of knowing that you know, Cassie's over me. And so I said, I'm gonna do this. So I get in the same hallway and I'm waiting for Moo to come by. She comes at me and I'm ready, I'm ready to do this. And then she pushes me against the wall. Like, okay, that's one time, it won't happen again. I'm an alpha male, I know what I'm doing, I'm good, okay? And so, we do it again. 
pushes me against the wall again. And so if you want to know how this works, basically in my household, it goes Cassie, Moo, and then all the way on the ground is basically me, all right? That's, that's, the, that's the hierarchy that we have in, in our house. See, in, in this chair right here, you've been saved. In this chair, your life has been changed. You've given your heart to Jesus. But a lot of times, this category, and by the way, probably about 80% of us in this room are right here. In this category, what it looks like for us is we want to obey God, but we kind of obey him out of fear. Does that make sense? We kind of obey him out of self-preservation. It's this idea that, man, I want to do what you call me to do because I don't want you to send me to hell. It's this idea that I got to make sure I confess every single one of my sins tonight before I go to sleep, or if I don't and I die, then I'm going to hell. It's, it's, it's that. It's the, it's the God who sits up in heaven on his throne, and whenever you say one cuss word, he throws a lightning bolt at you. It's, it's that version of your relationship with God, that you serve him, you care for him, but you're also just really, really scared of him. By the way, the Bible tells us the beginning of, of wisdom is fear. There is some good fear in the world. You'd be horrible parents if you didn't tell your kids about running into the street, right? Like, there's a good fear in all of this. But in this position, this is more of, God, I'm going to serve you, but just don't hurt me. God, I'm going to serve you, but can you maybe try to love me? And, and I know I say this a lot, but maybe on the 4th of July, you can hear it a little bit different. God's not mad at you, okay? Uh, he's actually mad uh, uh, for you. Like, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants to know you. And once you understand that God's for you, that he cares for you, that he's not just putting up for, with you, that you don't have to live a perfect life, then you're able to move to another position. Are you guys still with me right now? We still good? Okay, let's, let's keep it going. And the next position here, I love this one. It's friend. Friend. Uh, my senior year of high school um, was 2017, and, uh, and, um, fly. Um, and it's actually 2005, and my senior year of high school, we went to Olive Garden. Like, at the last day of school, we went to Olive Garden and, and hung out there, and we had this big table, and I look over in the middle of the restaurant, and I see something that's kind of weird. I think, man, I, I think that's Garth Brooks. Turns out it was Garth Brooks. And, I, like, I'm not a country person. I don't, that's not, like, my thing, but if you're from Oklahoma, you kind of have to kind of have to love Garth Brooks a little bit, right? And so he was there, and, and, and what, was, what was crazy is, like, one of our friends, they wanted to go talk to him and see if he'd sign some autographs, and he said, hey, just wait, wait till we get done eating, which is very fair. And, and so I get up, and I go to the bathroom, and as I go to the bathroom, Garth Brooks walks in, and I think, oh, this is weird. I don't want you to think I was, I was planning this, but, but while we're here, um, and um, so we sat at the urinal and talked, and um, as we were leaving, he was asking me questions, and he, he, you know, he asked me my name, and he asked me what I was going to do after high school, and I told him all the great things I was going to do that I never did, and, and I was just kind of giving him kind of our story, and then he goes back to his table, I go back to my table, we eat and everything, and then after he's done eating, he comes over to us, super, super nice guy, and he comes over to us, and he starts talking, shaking everyone's hand, and he's signing autographs and all these kind of things, and as he's leaving, he, he, as he's leaving, he says, bye, guys, and everyone's like, bye, Garth, and, and he's walking kind of by me, and I said, see you later, Garth, and he says, he says, see you later, Matt. In that moment, Garth Brooks and I became best friends, okay? <laughs> and I thought, wow. Obviously, he was in awe of my presence earlier, and now he, it, it struck him so deeply that he had to keep my, keep my name, 
And I thought, this is incredible. And I told all my friends how I was best friends with Garth Brooks. But in all reality, unlike my fake friendship with Garth Brooks, this position right here, think about this for one moment. The God of the universe, the fully omniscient, omnipresent, ultimate reality in the universe says, hey, I want to be your not crazy i want to know you john 15 says like this this is jesus talking he says my command is this love each other as i've loved you greater love has no one that th than this that he lay down his life for one's friends verse 14 you are my friends if you do what i command i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i call you friends he's i'm not calling you this anymore i'm calling you that i've called you friends for everything that i've learned from my father i have made known to you. He tells them, hey, you're my friend because you know my business. You can bring anything you want to Jesus, right? And that's really super easy to say, but like truly think about it. You can bring whatever's on your mind to Jesus. Any doubt, any worry, any fear, God is interested in the things of your life. So as much as it pains me to say this, I want you to get this. Look right here for one second. I want you to hear this. God does care about OSU football. Does that make sense? Like, like, God, like God does care about Hey, I don't care. God does care about Hulk Hogan, right? God does care about those things that you're interested in. And we kind of get into this mindset of this religious thing that God doesn't care about that. He holds continents in his hand. He holds supernovas in his hands. God won't care about the things of my life, but that means that we don't understand God. He knows you. And some of the best prayer times of my life really came out of this understanding that I've been called a friend of God. And those anxieties in my life, those things that I'm struggling with, I can just go to God and tell him about it. And you know what the crazy thing is about going to God? It's not like it's a far walk. He's right here next to you. I can just sit there and say, God, I I'm, I'm about to walk in this thing and, and I'm just kind of nervous about what's going to happen here. I'm about to have a conversation with someone and I don't, I don't know if it's going to go good or not. And God can show up in that moment. And he can speak to me in that moment and just let me know that he's right there in that moment because he's a friend to us and he's a friend for us. That's, that's the God of the Bible, the friend to you. He cares about your feelings. He's the kind of friend that will listen to you, that will counsel you, that will correct you, and that will cheer you on. And he said this to his friends. He says, you're my friends because you obey my commands. In our Western super anti-authority mindset, how can a friendship be determined off of me obeying somebody? That sounds like a junior high friendship. That sounds like a, a, an elementary friendship. Well, I'm going to be friends with you if you do what I say. But here's the difference. God's commands on your life are not there to rob you of your joy. They're actually there to guarantee that you have joy. And I promise you this, and I wish I could just bring you into the office and let you understand that I've sat down with so many people who didn't do what God called them to do, and their lives ended up a wreck because they thought happiness was found in a girl. They thought happiness was found in a drug. They thought happiness was found in something outside of Christ, and their lives fell apart. But if they would have followed what Christ called them to do, Joy would overwhelm them. Joy would show up in their life. I promise you this, and, and it's, it's, it's about time to shut this down, but can I be honest with you? There's nobody, nobody in this room that says, hey, the best part of my life is when I sit on a computer and I look at naked people for an hour. That doesn't make your life better. That doesn't make you happier. It takes from you. He's a, he's a friend that says, hey, let's fix these things. Let's work on this. This position is an incredible one. And if this was it, God, we are so blessed. But you know what's crazy? That's, that's not it. 
you're a friend of God. But let's go one more. Maybe the best one, maybe my favorite one. The Bible calls us co-heirs. Crazy. A co-heir with Christ. The first chair, you're an enemy of God. The second chair, you're really, you're, you're a servant of God. Kind of following him out of just fearful, kind of weird obedience. The third one is you're a friend of God. You love him, you care for him. But this one, this one's different. This one, this one, this feels different. A co-heir of Christ. Verse 14 says like this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought to you by the adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Do you have that pull to know God? That shows that you're a child of God. Now for his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may share in his glory. By the way, a lot of people cut off that verse before we go to the suffering thing. As a Christian, you're gonna suffer in life. It's gonna happen. But he says that you get an equal and overwhelming amount of joy past that. Then we keep going. Galatians chapter four, verse four says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Not at your time, not at my time, not on my timeline, not on when I think it'll fit in my calendar, but at God's time, he sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law so that we might receive adoption as sonship. Because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You're not a slave, but you're God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you an heir. I, I think what I'd like to do on this 4th of July, one service, all this together, is just remind you to take claim of the heir that you have. Take claim of the inheritance that's coming towards you. So some of us, we live as enemies or we live as servants, even as friends, but God called you to be a co-heir with Christ. In this position, you can love people. In this position, those people who came against you, you can forgive those people. In this position, that addiction, that drug, whatever it is, you can get rid of it because you know why? Because there's an inheritance coming. It doesn't matter what they did to you because you know on the other side of this, there's an eternity that's gonna last forever and ever and ever and there's gonna be a street paved with gold and there's gonna be a God who sits in heaven that you don't need like his glory shines it out. This is our God. We sit here as co-heirs with Christ. Heirs with God, we, if you're an heir of God, you, you, don't, you don't put God into a box. You involve him in every part of your life. You understand that when Jesus called his disciples, most of them that he called, he called while they were working. Translation, for your job, you bring Jesus there. He's not just here at 11 o'clock. He's there at Monday morning, 9 a.m. My plea to you today is quit living half-hearted. As a co-heir of Christ, this means that you have the full inheritance of God coming towards you. Give it all away. Because here's what you should know, you can't lose. If God is for me, who could be against me? Sure, they can take your money. They can take your life. But there's an eternity coming. I think the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah had the king of Israel next to him, and the king of Israel is standing there, and Elijah says, hey, Elijah's on his deathbed, and he says, what I want you to do is I want you to take three arrows and strike the ground. And when you strike the ground, you know the victory's coming. So the king, he gets the arrows, and he he takes him and kind of timidly, you guys heard this story before? Kind of timidly, he just kind of, one, two, 
3. And Elijah gets angry at him. I says, what are you doing? Why would you, why'd you strike it three times? Why don't you strike it five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten times? Because the three times that you struck it, that's the amount of victories you're going to get. Here, here's what he's trying to tell him. You're the king of Israel. God's covenant is on your back. Why are you living so timid in your life? He's saying, hey, strike the ground with all confidence that you have inside of your life. Strike the ground with everything that you have. Some of you have a business inside of your heart that you know you want to start, but people have told you that it's not going to happen. And God tells you today, strike the ground. Look at your thing. Look at your life. Look at those things that you feel are broken that will never be whole again. And God says, no, strike the ground one more time. Keep it going. It's not over for your life. Strike the ground. What if, truly, we as a church didn't get caught up in quarreling with each other and fighting with each other or caught up on junk on Facebook or on Instagram? What if we said, no matter what's happening around us, I want to see a room full of teenagers worshiping God, and whatever I have to do to make that happen will happen. I want to see a kid's spring. I want to see all of our kids' ministry completely full of kids worshiping God, and whatever we have to do to do that, we're going to do. I want to see this whole church I want to see this whole sanctuary. Man, we're at two services. Man, what would happen if we went to five services? Because we couldn't fit everyone inside of here anymore. That's what I want. And that's how we need to believe that we're co-heirs with Christ. Not because, by the way, we need to fill a chair, but because we need to fill heaven up. Because we want to take something from hell. That's what it's about. So, to close out here. When you understand your position, it determines connection, and connection determines direction. And so I think to finish this off, maybe we just need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. You're a co-heir. What does the Bible actually say about you? You know, the Bible tells you that you're a child of God, that you're alive in Christ, that you're free, and not just free, free indeed, that, that you're born of God, that you're a new creation, the old has passed and the new has come. Do you, do you understand that? The Bible tells us that greater is he that lives inside of me than he that's in the world. I don't care what politics say. I don't care what diseases are. I don't care about any of that stuff because greater is he than, that's inside of me than he that's in the world. There's nothing that holds the church back. The Bible tells us that the gates of hell could never overcome this place. What are we so afraid of? The Bible tells us that there's nothing that's impossible for you because if Christ is inside of you, he's going to take care of you, that you're called by God, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're more than anything you thought you could be, that you're an ambassador of Christ. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people, that you're sealed, that you're blessed, that you're a citizen of heaven, that you're an image bearer, and that you're a co-heir with Christ. And so today, as we walk out of these doors, I want us to believe inside of our hearts that we truly are co-heirs with Christ. And I want us to sing that one more time, believing that God's going to do something in our hearts, that we're going to move from these positions to new positions. Let's sing that here together. Let's worship. Let's not worship like a normal Sunday morning. Let's worship like these words are true. 
that today. You're a child. podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the give now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.